Hello, we Acaville travel Radio. the world Welcome here at Acaville to, to bring you coverage of, of festivals and events. We have a chance to sit down Brian with Alexander. some amazing groups and artists. Starting on our new Alicia show, Alicia The Pulse, Alicia. you'll get to sit down How's with them too, alongside today? host Rachel, as she brings you I'm some of the best of our interviews from the different festivals and workshops that she's attended. Check out The Pulse every Tuesday at 9 p.m. East, 6 p.m. West, and then again on rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m. East, 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. West. And I like clapped it against the back of the sink because I was like, what if I drop it? And then I didn't. I'm like, no. (laughs) So I like clapped my hand with the ring against the sink and then it was gone. And I was like, where did it go? It was like a really bad magic trick. And it went down the overflow drain of the sink. Like the the hole in the back, like towards the top. Like if your sink fills up with water, Mm -hmm. the overflow is there to, you know, make sure. Oh, that little air. Oh, So it went down there and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And bless my husband's heart. He took the entire thing apart, like (laughs) removed the basin of the sink. So we had this giant hole Mm -hmm. just in the van counter and then we unfortunately discovered that the main water line to our house doesn't shut off the way it Uh-oh, should so we have problems. somebody coming to fix that yeah. tomorrow a nice nice chunk of change 400 bucks to fix oh my goodness so how did the story end what well, where is the ring now i'll show you where the ring is now <gasps> oh you found it we found it hey there it oh. is wonderful and i told my husband i was like i dropped my ring and he goes which one <laughs> Because I have Which two. One? Okay, I have fancy. the engagement ring and the wedding band. So it was, it was the diamond that went down the drain. So oh, oh, of course, it'd be that one. Fortunately, he still loves me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you survived that <laughs> ordeal. I'm like, that sounds very stressing. It's very so, traumatizing. Oh, I can I can tell Ladies, for sure. And I guess, gentlemen, my advice for for you today is: do not drop your ring down the overflow drain. Don't if do it's gonna, it. If it's gonna go down the sink. Drop it down the actual drain because you'll get it in the pipes. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a lot easier for sure. It, it would have been. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm glad that you're surviving in that case. And uh, there's a little tip for our, a non-acapella tip for our listeners yeah. out there. Correct. <laughs> so, Alicia, are you ready to talk some acapella today? I am totally ready to talk some acapella because I'm super excited about our guests today. Oh, I, I'm right there with you because we have some amazing guests today uh, joining us. Uh, we have members from the Association of South Asian Acapella. And not one. Not two, but three. Three. It's been a while since we've had three guests on the show. So, oh, actually, no, I take that back. GQ. We had four. I forgot. Yeah. We had four. Okay. My, my apologies. But this is our first South Asian members. Yeah. And, and three so. is still an exciting number. Exactly. It is. Wonderful number. And joining us, we have three members. So we have Arjun Agarwal. He's a co-director of the ASA. We also have Sarang Joshi who's also a co-director. And then we have Natasha Shah, who is the external chair of the ASA. How's everyone doing today? Fantastic. Good. We're good. How are yeah, you? Glad to be here. Yeah. I am doing well. Now, give it to me, real. How badly did I butcher one of y'all's names? I know that I did. <laughs> No, honestly, you did, you did you did fantastic. It's it's I I get some pretty bad pronunciation, so you you did great. You did great. Yeah, <laughs> do you? It's pretty good. I'm like, have you ever just like had to stop and like? I don't think that they're calling me. Has it ever been like that bad where you, it was just unrecognizable completely? Actually, yes, I have had that experience before. <laughs> okay, I was hoping that wouldn't be the case, but okay, I'm proven wrong apparently. You'd be surprised. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe. I had one person call me Latasha. Oh, what? And I just didn't have the courage because it was on the phone call and they just kept calling me Latasha. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it flow. And it's yeah. fine. You oh, are a better hilarious. human being than I am because I would have said something. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that you powered through that. That would have been a challenge for sure. I know. <laughs> well, good. I'm, I'm so happy that you all are joining us today because we get the chance to talk about an amazing organization, the Association of South Asian Acapella. And I don't know how popular it is like among our listeners, but it is a, a great organization. I've been following for a little bit of time now and they're doing some wonderful work. So before we get into talking about the Association of South Asian Acapella, tell us a little bit about you all individually. Uh, what inspired your interest in music and what is your background in acapella music? And we can start with whoever wants to go first. Well, so my dad's side of the family was like always into music. Every single member on that side played a different instrument or sang and um, he had a really good musical musical ear. So it's I've kind of been around music my whole life. Mm-hmm. My mom's side, not so much, but you know, uh, <laughs> I'm happy I got my dad's genes when it comes to music. Um, so I, you right. know, was in choir all through middle school, elementary school, high school, did a high school acapella thing and just kind of fell in love with it there and continued it in, in college and you know the rest is history i guess <laughs> <laughs> nice okay what about what about you natasha how what is your background in music so similar to arjun my mom actually is a classical singer she did it since she was very young and she kind of passed it on to all of us which is three kids. And so I started doing classical when I was younger. Then elementary school, got introduced to choir, fell in love with it, continued through middle school, high school. And when I got to college, I found out that there was such thing as a South Asian acapella (laughs) team, which I'd never heard of before. So, Mm -hmm. you know, since then, I've just been trying to see what else is what we can do for, you know, South Asian music and getting it out there. So nice. I like it. And then lastly, we have uh, Sarong. Yeah. So I think my story is similar to both of theirs. I think, you know, family has a lot to do with it. And luckily, both my parents are pretty musically aligned. My dad uh, has been playing the violin since seventh grade, and he was in his school orchestra. My mom, similar to Natasha, is Indian classically trained, so in Indian classical music. Mm. So, you know, right at the gate at age one and a half, I was <laughs> being sat down and taught to learn stuff at home from my parents. Yes. So, you know, I, I, got, I got the head start early, I guess. But yeah, since then, I found my love for singing, and I participated in choir when I was in school in India, and I was on my t- uh, school's high school choir team in, uh, in the U.S. And in senior year, we actually had a restructuring where all the students in choir were split into quartets, and we, in fact, mm-hmm. spent the year learning barbershop quartet-style acapella music the entire year. So that was my introduction oh, wow. to acapella specifically. That's so awesome. Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. I got to, you know, learn about pentatonics, and, you know, mm-hmm. th- that was like my pop acapella exposure as well <laughs> and then similar to, and then when i went to college at the university of washington seattle i discovered awas which is the south asian acapella team there and then since graduating i wanted to stay in touch with the culture so i decided to join asa so that's why i'm here nice yep. wow what a what a background there I, i'm curious because um arjun you mentioned that you were born in india is that is that what you said yeah well, I, I, was, I was born in india i mean I, oh oops, sorry i meant sarong but also, but also arjun me, i guess <laughs> Okay, I, I meant that. I'm sorry. I, That's okay. What just a little brain Natasha, fart right there. Natasha, where were you born? <laughs> I was born and raised in Jersey. I'm from Ohio, so yeah. Nice. Not, not really close. <laughs> yeah, no, but. <laughs> 
so so we have a little bit of various backgrounds here. Uh, although you all are very familiar with the, the South Asian style, you know, you were born in different regions here. And I'm just curious, just what what kind of differences uh, and maybe even what you've picked up now in your interest in music, what are some of the differences that you see typically between the styles, since we're talking about acapella in terms of, you know, a South Asian style or, uh, you know, Middle Eastern style or that kind of style versus what you see in the typical U.S. American-based acapella style. Is there a difference that you typically see when it comes to music? Yeah, so I guess, yeah, there's a couple kind of angles to that. So a lot of the to- a lot of times what we found, especially with South Asian acapella, is, you know, we draw a lot of influence from you know, contemporary Western acapella because, you know, acapella is tra- traditionally was founded in the Western culture, you know, from from churches, right? That's like the, where the origin comes mm-hmm. from. So uh, yeah. a lot of South Asian style it draws from Western origin. But what was really unique about it is that we take also influence from traditionally, uh, you know, classical and Indian style, or South Asian styles, excuse me, um, which are you know, not originally sung acapella they, they have instrumental accompaniments so i think the the style difference comes in when you try to blend those two um genres together so a lot of times a lot of the technicality of the acapella matches uh, some aspects match you know western acapella in terms of the syllables and like the you know the musical arrangements but the notational um kind of you know the soundscape or how the chords are structured or how the song moves from section to section it that might follow more of a south asian background where it's not your traditional like verse chorus verse layout you know i think another thing that I've also kind of been excited about is trying to draw from classical elements, which are much more loosely structured. You know, there's not so much of a, like, there's oftentimes not even like a, a strict beat that you follow. It's much more freeform and like creative. So trying to draw influence from that and kind of embed that in South Asian acapella has been really exciting to see. And that's kind of one of the unique things that I've experienced in South Asian acapella. So it sounds like there's a lot of different, well, I mean, as you've said, there's a lot of different influences that we're seeing there. How would you know when you have the right balance of your South Asian acapella versus like Western influences versus that classical influence that you were speaking to? Yeah. So I guess the answer is you don't necessarily know when, you know, it's, it's, I think (laughs) it's, I think every group or, you know, performing team that is out there finds their journey along that path. You know, for example, for my team and my experience, initially we were very much bent on making sure that we were following a lot of the Western acapella styles because our founders drew inspiration from, you know, acapella groups that are out there in the Western sphere. And we tried to just add on some South Asian elements where we saw they fit, but it was very much still like Western style with some South Asian kind of mixed in. But as time went on, we we found that we wanted to move towards more of like a South Asian influence and we tried to balance it a bit more. We tried more kind of creative fusion aspects that, you know, didn't necessarily stick to the traditional Western style. And then we actually ended up going a bit too much in the Indian or South Asian classical direction where we found it, it didn't quite fit well with the acapella style. So I think kind of finding that balance is very much a personal kind of experience and it, you never really know when you find the perfect balance. Some teams, in fact, like focus on, okay, we're going to make sure we always stick to the classical roots of Indian music and then they'll kind of stick to that no matter what. And other teams are more experimentation where they try like how can we mix R&B and a 500 year old Indian song that's been you know su- sung in temples right Some, something oh crazy gosh. like that like you know there's a lot of room for experimentation because there's such wide variety in both those cultures so Natasha and Arjun in terms of the groups that you are involved with was it a, a similar experience in terms of the things that Sarang is telling us so yeah I mean just like he said there was a lot of experimentation that happened I mean When I first joined my sophomore year, we kind of were focusing more on the South Asian side, very heavy, and we were kind of scared to take those risks, especially because, you know, in the beginning stages of competing and getting your name out there for your team, you're trying to figure out who are we 
as an acapella team, right? A South Asian acapella team. So, you know, there's there was a lot of things that we tried out. Some things work, some things don't. And every year, just based on who you have on your team too, right? Like the strengths and the more powerful, you know, lead singer. So some might be more powerful for Western music, whereas some might have more of a stronger South Asian background. And so honestly, I can't even say that, you know, we still to this day have found our sound because it's so dependent on who's on the team that year. So yeah, yeah, and that's a that's such an interesting perspective when you're you're talking about locating that that right singer for the right lead for your your group's performance. Um, like it, it, there's a lot of similarities that you find there with a lot of other uh, contemporary acapella groups. But I'm just like listening in terms of making sure we you have that as Alicia talked about that blend that balance that you know you're staying true to your identity, you're staying true to you know the the aim and the goal of the group. But at the same time, there are other dynamics that you have to just think about. About just a little bit more intently. And so Arjun, is that, that a similar experience that you share? Yeah, yeah. So I'll echo both Saranga and Natasha and, and add that not only is it dependent on, you know, the, the singers that are on your group and, and the characteristics of their voice and their strengths and weaknesses, but also on the target audience and like who you're performing for. When I was on Thunki, which is at UT Dallas, we go Dallas. Uh, yeah, our very first year. Um, <laughs> so, so I was actually the founder of the the team with a couple of other friends. So we oh, wow. really had like the the very beginning of like finding our sound and coming up with all the arrangements and like figuring out like what we want to perform. Initially, it was just us kind of listening to music, hanging out, and we're like, oh, this sounds good. This would work really well, mashed up with this song and. This is a great idea. We should do this. So we, we did that the first year, but you know, we soon came to learn that it doesn't really fit well with the members we had or the audience we're performing for. The next year we like used pieces or songs that groups actually or team members actually auditioned with and used those pieces in arrangements because they auditioned with them. Obviously those are, you know, songs that they feel comfortable with that their voices are suited for. So those would be great arrangements that we could, you know, work on and integrate into our set. So kind of flipped it around in, in how we selected our music. And, and that was really effective, I thought. Another thing is like getting into the competition scene versus just performing on campus or around the community. Two very different things. You know, you want to in and around the community, you want something that's kind of, you know, relatable that people know and enjoy and can maybe sing along to. When you go to competitions, yes, that's important, but... You also need to get that wow factor in and, and something like very unique that, you know, amazes the judges. So that really started playing a role in our song selection. And it was really just at that point, it became a balance of not just, you know, the, the two uh, cultures, Western and South Asian, but also balancing our audience members and our team members and our strengths and weaknesses and even, you know, the, the arrangers that we had on, on the group and what they were comfortable arranging. I would say that it's, it's always evolving. It's always changing. So finding a sound is only temporary. It's, it, it'll change based on who, who comes on the team next year and, and beyond. So Brian, I feel like I have to say this because I said this probably a couple episodes ago and mm -hmm. this is kind of hitting it home for me. No two acapella groups are created equally. There it is. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm like, as we're talking about finding your sound, and I, I love that quote, uh, you're talking about sound and it's just like your sound is temporary, you know, because it, it continues to involve. And yeah, it was exactly what we talked about, Alicia. So Arjun, you had talked about the blending of the sounds and 
you've taken components of songs that your members have auditioned with and you've used, incorporated those into your set, basically. I'm curious, you've talked about arrangers within the group. How much of a challenge is it to come up with those arrangements? And what does that process kind of look like for you? Because I know, I mean, I'm, I'm in a post-collegiate acapella group now, and we do have some songs that we arrange in-house, but and we're we're slowly moving towards more songs that we're arranging in-house as opposed to finding third-party arrangements. But it's so easy for us to be able to find those pre-arranged songs. Mm-hmm. What What is that like for South Asian acapella? That is perhaps one of the biggest challenges that teams face is arranging. Because for, for the exact reason that you said is that there aren't ready-made arrangements out there that we can, you know, just purchase or download and sing. Even if there are ready-made arrangements, it, it's so important to change it to match your group sound or your group singers. Right, right. And maybe find some arrangements online that people have published, take some elements from that. Oh, I like how they did this okay. chord structure and then use that in our version of the song and change it up. And that too is a learning process because being an undergrad and, you know, all being in, you know, <laughs> biology or uh, computer science, and you know, we would not, we don't have like a, a composition or arranging music background. It's all kind of right. amateur arranging that, that we you know, relied on. My uh, team was fortunate to have a member who was actually a, a double major um, in chemistry and composition. And he actually oh, wanted nice. to make composition <laughs> as part of his career. Um, so he he did a lot of our arrangements um, that actually were uh, really phenomenal and and um, got us you know to awards at competitions. No, and that's that's a huge accomplishment. That's great. In response to the question about you know how the arranging process works, I think another thing that's interesting or especially especially challenging for South Asian acapella is that you know a lot of times the process of moving from a published pop song in the Western culture to an acapella version is not terribly complicated. You know, it's 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 a a process that's been done a hundred times over, right? Like that's a very it's it's much more common. But on the other hand, taking a South Asian song and making acapella is much more antithetical to the original composition's intent. So like, you know, there's there's a lot a lot of the styles and ideas that go into a South Asian song are not necessarily directly transitionable into acapella. So just even the process of drawing influence and trying to mash together a Western song and a South Asian song, which where one is more conducive to acapella and the other takes a bit more kind of like stretching and molding. That is another angle of difficulty that just adds to the, you know, the complexity of how those arrangements end up end up looking. So the key structures and chord structures really come into play here to to what Sarang is saying that even though like a, a South Asian song and a Western song may be in the same key, just the way the South Asian song is composed using like traditional classical tones and and modes may not entirely fit with that same key in western music so that becomes a very challenging part that requires you know arrangers and and musical directors and singers who kind of understand both sides of it and are able to reconcile that in in the music which i think is very unique and very interesting um and i not have i haven't had any classical training in my life ever so that was all very new to me, being you know one of the arrangers and directors of, of my group. And that was something that was a, a really big learning process for me. But I mean, it just goes hand in hand with both of them have been saying, but I mean, it's the same thing because you're bringing together a team, you know, that one might just have Western, have a Western background and one might just have a South Asian background. And so, you know, even just trying to 
arrange a piece where some people might not have any like sight reading experience or some people just have zero experience. So, I mean, even just trying to bring a piece together, whether that be, you know, just repeating it back or trying to figure out a way so that everyone can have a cohesive sound together. That's another challenge that I think is yeah. huge that, you know, like fusion teams yeah. face. There was actually members on our team that were like classically trained, amazing singers, but never seen like sheet music in our life, in their life. And really? yeah, yeah, so, so yeah. that was, that's also something that we kind of, we had like taught how to read sheet music, but other groups don't even use sheet music at all. They'll just kind of learn by listening. Yep. We, in fact, yeah, I was gonna say my, my group, in fact, we like the number of people who actually knew or even could create sheet music was so few, it was like one or two people that we actually ended up inventing, not inventing, but like we had our own like Awaz sheet music style, which is basically like you can put in a, like a Word document, especially a bunch of tables. You know, it's proprietary information, so I'm not going to share everything <laughs> here, obviously. <laughs> but confidentially, it was like a very simple, palatable format that was that we could like the arrangers could write in, so they at least keep track of what's being you know composed and arranged, but okay. wasn't actually sheet music because so many people were like, we've never seen sheet music in our lives, but they're skilled musicians in their own right, and that's kind mm -hmm. of the midpoint that we found every year at the beginning of the year there's always a push like okay this is a year we're going to try to make sheet music and get everyone to learn finally uh I, my my both my years i was director i tried and i have a few sheet music arrangements that i did myself but there was not there just wasn't enough you know impetus but so every year i go back and tell them hey guys this is the year it's time try it out just another added challenge to the yeah. whole experience and that you can imagine so how hard that would make it to actually purchase ready-made sheet music or arrangements you know oh, yeah, oh, there's right. something oh, yeah. impossible i'm sure it's why would, why would you? Exactly. Yeah, there's no, no benefit. Yeah. I found that, find that so interesting because I think one of the challenges that so many American based acapella, at least collegiate groups face, you, you deal with this influx of members who might come in and they might either have choral experience or they probably just don't have any kind of experience outside of singing out of the shower. Whereas I, what I'm hearing, there's a lot of challenges that the South Asian acapella groups face. They might actually have these trained and skilled musicians who are just kind of dealing with the, this conflict of this very unique music experience that they might have picked up along the way. And they're just trying to figure out how to blend it into this new style, which I find that very interesting. It's not something that you typically hear of. So that, I just wanted to comment on that. Yeah. And you answered my, my question earlier was going to be on, you know, what kind of creates you know the difficulties with being i guess the challenges of creating this beautiful music and i'm hearing so much of the classical elements involved and i don't think that a lot of groups typically take on classical type music so i'm like there's so many layers to peel back here in terms of south asian music i'm learning a lot here i just have to ask this question because i, I it's really just piqued my curiosity so hypothetically you're arranging a number where you have south asian music and you're blending it with western music i'm curious as to what is easier building that or creating the South Asian component first and then kind of embedding the Western music or the other way around. I, I would think it's starting with the classical and then bringing in in the Western elements. But I mean, I'm sure the answer is probably it depends. But I'm I'm just curious as to what that what that has looked yeah, like. Yeah, I, I think I think you got it right when you said it depends because it really does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. In in my experience, I started off with the Western song and kind of put in the okay. South Asian elements. But that's I think biased because I didn't have you know Indian classical training. I was gonna say the exact opposite. In fact, so like I I have some classical training, so I basically 
build what's the equivalent of like the Western key in classical music. I, I start with that, and then I see okay, what? How mm-hmm. does the Western song fit into that, and then how can we put them together? So sorry, continue, Arjun. Oh, okay, very cool. Okay. Yeah. So I think again, yeah, it, it really it's also dependent on it is obviously at, at the end of the day you can say like Western music and South Asian music are the genres we're combining, but even within that, there's mm-hmm. so many different subgenres, right? Like you know right. when you're taking say oh. just like a Western like a pop song, then it's got a pretty straightforward you know chord structure, verse, mm-hmm. chorus, verse, bridge, you know et cetera, et cetera, and then uh, or you have you can have some jazz pieces where there's like a lot more instrumentation there. You could have even going into R and B and and rap and hip hop music. You know, there, there's like mm-hmm. a lot of very interesting elements. Um, and then even within South Asian music, you know, I think we've talked a lot about the classical elements of South Asian and and obviously that is that is core to a majority of the music there. But in the past, you know, many like in the past many decades, uh, South Asian music has also grown to have a lot more contemporary elements that are not necessarily classically based so it's a lot of you know there's um like even electronic influence there's a lot of even just like you know pop style songs that are more like in in you know modern movies and stuff like that um like bollywood music uh uh, the the term i'm sure you heard yeah so bollywood music is a lot more of like a modern rendition of you know like some classical influence but a lot more stuff that's relevant for and enjoyable for kids today so you know even within that there's just so many different combinations that happen that yeah. it was really you just have to kind of sit there listen to both songs find some elements that match try to put them together and then kind of build from there one level at a time it sounds like the the classical ties are a lot more embedded into what's currently being listened to versus exactly. you know american exactly, music yeah you know we're, i mean western music you know we we don't hear it as much for and sure. it's kind of just kind of you're on an out group you're on the outside if you're you're still into that on, on that note we are going to have to take one quick break man i'm loving this conversation that we're having here but we're going to come right back and continue speaking with arjun sarang and natasha right here on Tacapella. all around the world there are amazing acapella concerts going on all the time you can't be to all of them but that's what we're here for so catch friday night live every friday at 9 p.m east 6 p.m west where we bring you live concerts from all around the world You can be there in spirit, even if you couldn't make it in person. And you can catch them again on Rebroadcast Sunday at 11.15 a.m. East, 8.15 a.m. West, and 12 hours later, be there. And welcome back to Tacapella. That's right, Acaville Radio. We are back. And Brian and I are here with Arjun Sarong and Natasha from the Association of South Asian Acapella. And I don't know about you, Brian, but I in particular am loving this. Oh, I'm absolutely loving this. I'm, I'm learning just kind a of lot. Eating Those all are the best episodes. Uh, same here. But don't I feel tell like our, my mind is. But don't being tell our up. other guests that. <laughs> what I feel like that they might be picking up on that a little bit. Hopefully, if we're doing our job right. <laughs> Any of you three, feel free to answer this next question because we've talked a lot about kind of like the influences of the genre of South Asian acapella, but we haven't really talked a ton about the actual ASA or the Association of South Asian Acapella. So I'm curious as to what the inspiration was behind the founding of the organization and maybe can you tell us a little bit more about how it was created? I'll give this to Arjun since he actually is one of the founders. So go ahead. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so let's rewind all the way back to 2015. No, 2014, I think it was. (laughs) But anyways, in the South Asian collegiate community, there's 
traditionally been a lot of focus on dance groups, Bollywood dance teams, fusion dance teams, Ras, Bhangra, um, all those different genres sort of have their own competitive circuits where they go to competitions and, you know, compete for like a national championship, etc, etc. South Asian acapella has been around for a little over a couple of decades now, but it really started gaining speed in, I guess, around 2010 and, and a little bit later than that. That's when Pen Masala was really popular with, with all of its albums that they released around that time. And a lot of groups started forming at colleges across the country. There were a few competitions focused on just South Asian acapella that were around, you know, in California and Iowa. And those were pretty much the only two competitions for a really long time. And then California. I didn't know Iowa was a hot Yeah, I, I, you know, I wouldn't think so either, but, you know, yeah. So anyways, um, around the middle of, you know, 2013, 2014, some more competitions started popping up. Up and we got to this point where we're like, okay, well, there's more competitions. There's so many more teams. We can go and compete, meet other people, interact with other people more. And at, by this point, these competitions, because a lot of these members were also involved in the dance scene and the Bollywood dance scene, the competitions kind of took the form of those those dance competitions and kind of used that format. And so our acapella circuit also kind of adopted a lot of the elements that the dance circuit had. Obviously, we kind of made it unique to acapella when we kind of discussed things about starting the competition. Um, and it was actually a, an interesting story when when this whole thing started. So there were now one of my really close friends in New Jersey. She was on a group in at Case Western and she wanted to start this whole circuit, make a network where everyone can communicate, maybe do a championship competition. And me in Dallas with my friends, we were thinking about the exact same thing. So we had a competition that we had started at UT Dallas and their team from New Jersey actually reached out to our competition about it, about starting this whole circuit. And I was like, wait a minute, I had this idea too. Let's just combine forces. <laughs> so then that's how it happened. And we kind of formed the network mm -hmm. of the AC Acapella, the Association of South Asian Acapella and All American of Oz. Wow. So it sounds like it, it kind of came about, you know, like other elements in acapella where it's just like you were trying to fill this massive interest mm -hmm. and in like a space yeah. for your particular niche of it. Yeah, I think it, it really just like naturally evolved. I think it, it was time at that point that the community had to kind of come together with so many competitions popping up, so many teams popping up. So to add on to that, so essentially kind of what happened over the, I think the last three or four years, the main kind of national elements that grew out of this kind of movement as as more groups were formed, as more competitions were formed, are basically three things. So first of all, there was like a, kind of a so, the social element. So what's called the network of Desi acapella. Desi is just kind of like another word for South Asian, essentially. Okay. It's I guess it's a South Asian word for South Asian. <laughs> is Desi, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, we use that to identify as South Asian. But yeah, so that became kind of like a, a social platform for all, like as you met, for as you mentioned before, all these groups to connect. You know, get to know each other, post you know sh short singles on Facebook, okay. and just kind of you know create that community across the nation. The second piece, which again as I mentioned, Arjun was instrumental in founding was All American Awas, which is the national championship of South Asian acapella. Okay. So okay. the idea was we created this the circuit, which was essentially these individual competitions that were scattered throughout the country. Teams would go and compete there. And based on their performance there, we would essentially choose the top seven or eight teams that would, at the end of the year, compete for the national title at what we, you know, formally, what was basically abbreviated as A3 or All American Awas. Okay. That was step two. And so that, again, really put our name out there. And, you know, when you have a national championship, everyone's like, oh, that's yeah. exciting. I want to watch that, you know? 
know, like mm-hmm. the best of the best of the country, you know, duking it out. So that was kind of like, that was the founding for A3. And then as we garnered a greater and greater audience for this new art form that has had, you know, was 20 years old, but had just now really taken on the shape of like an actual force. That's kind of where ASA was born out of as, as a parent organization that's dedicated primarily to the growth of the genre itself. So, you know, while the NDA was focused on the social aspect among the college groups, A3 was focused on that year-end championship. ASA is kind of like the umbrella organization that is dedicated to, hey, we're just here to promote South Asian acapella, help whoever's interested, provide resources, and, you know, we can get into details more and further. But that's kind of like the how those three components fit together. That's so fascinating because we, uh, a few weeks ago, we actually had a, a guest on, Elise Hackle, and she is currently a producer for the Varsity Vocals competition program. And it sounds like you guys basically created your own Varsity Vocals at the end of the yeah, day. But yeah. what what is so amazing here is that not only do you have the competition aspect, you have um, the aspect of a social awareness. You have this groups connecting with one another. You have a desire to also educate people on what the music is at the end of the day. And that's amazing. I'm like, it, it's taken people like years to do something like this. If I were to go into just a little bit deeper here. So what are like the responsibilities that you all have within the ASA? Because I know we're, we're speaking with two co-directors here and we also have an external chair. So what are your responsibilities look like on a daily basis? I guess to talk about kind of ASA's functions and kind of how maybe as a collective board, what we work on, then I can talk about specifics, I guess, in a second. But so the, you know, as Arjun mentioned, our sole purpose and our mission statement is to promote the growth of the genre, right, of the South Asian acapella. So first and foremost, and the the biggest and most kind of widely known vehicle of that is the competitive circuit. So when we refer to that, that includes all of the collegiate teams, the competitions where that they go through throughout the year, and obviously the year-end national championship. So ASA has a vested interest in giving those competitions more, you know, more visibility, helping them and making sure that there's some good standardization. We, we provide the rules and regulations for those teams. And we also essentially design the system that's used to choose the teams that end up going to the national championship. So essentially we're trying to, we are kind of the moderators that make sure that the circuit is fairly run. We give new teams a chance to compete and learn as well. And we make sure that the best of the best get recognized for being the best of the best. So that's, I think, one prong of ASA's work is the competitive circuit. The second angle is just more development of these various groups that are scattered outside of the competitive angle. So one great thing about music is you get to, you can record it and publish it, right? So one big thing that we're trying to encourage groups to do is as much as possible, along with performing and competing, go into studios and record their music and, you know, create uh, albums and singles and publish it on social media, on Spotify, on other streaming platforms, right? So we provide guides and resources to help, you know, teams choose songs, uh, make arrangements, you know, how to get their music published, how to help with licensing, that whole area of kind of getting the genre out there and kind of getting groups to think about creative ways to make new music. That's the second area that we kind of work in. And finally, the third one, which Natasha can also talk more on, is outreach and working with other organizations. Because, you know, since we are still relatively young and, you know, we're a small subsection of the greater music community at large, we try to connect with, you know, organizations such as Aquaville Radio to get, you know, more awareness <laughs> for our organization. Wonderful organization. Yeah, exactly. A fantastic organization. Just salt, salt of the earth. And, you know, other cultural communities that are, you know, related to South Asian culture as well as other music organizations to, you know, give more visibility to our genre. So that's kind of like the overall kind of overarching impact that ASA has. Mm-hmm. And as co-directors, Arjun and I oversee pretty much all of those aspects. Day to day, we're just kind of working with other competitions, helping with team questions and getting in touch with whoever is interested in our in our work. Okay. So just to jump in and I guess explain a little bit more. So I'll be the first to admit that one of the reasons why I wanted to join ASA was because 
you really do get to hear mostly about the competitive side, which is mm-hmm. all American of Oz, A3. You know, they're mostly the face, if you really think about it, since that's where the co- national competition is held. So when I graduated from college, I was like, how do I still stay involved in acapella? And so, you know, I reached, I first applied to A3 board, but I guess my interview was most focused on what ASA's mission is, which is to get the word out about South Asian acapella, which is what I'm actually passionate about, you know? And so... What I mostly do is as quote unquote external chair is, you know, try to reach out to organizations that are looking for, you know, not just a boost in numbers, but also, you know, want to spread the message about South Asian music as well. And to help recognize that, you know, South Asian music isn't just for South Asians and that, you know, anybody is welcome to join. And it's we're a very welcoming family community. And we just, you know, want the world to know that. We are also here and we would love to interact and get to meet all of the other acapella teams and organizations that are out there. Yeah. And I'm like your message and your efforts are definitely not lost upon anyone because I can attest for sure. Some of my favorite tracks I've listened to on, on Boca have been South Asian music by like Pin Masala before. And I know there's they're only one group, but I've also listened to Swarm outside of uh, Texas yeah. A&M. Mm-hmm. They're a great group. Great group. Yeah. Man, there, there's so much good going on here. And I'm like, I'm listening to it and it just seems like competition is such a strong aspect of what you all do. But at the as, same time, it should be. Right. It's it, very well. I'm like, we need to. I'm kidding. There's so much more than just competition. No, no but you bring up a very good point. You, you typically find out a lot about people through competition and right. you find out, you know, where the best, the best of that field come from is through competition. And with that, and while it's such an important aspect, I'm also hearing so many things that are invested in the long term success of South Asian acapella music, which is what the organization is really striving to do. One question I do have since we we're speaking about outreach, I, I really want to learn just a little bit more about just the, the culture of of, you know, South Asian acapella music and the groups that are participating in the ASA, do they feel naturally, do you feel like they're well connected to one another outside of just the competition aspect? Because I know you mentioned that there's a, a the social aspect, but you know, is there a strong culture around groups who kind of label themselves as this particular style of music? Well, and with that, I'm curious as to what kind of collaboration goes on between the groups and maybe if any of that is as a result of their involvement with the ASA. Yeah, so I would say um, to begin with, again, I think the foundation of the social aspect comes again from competition. So the most, especially I remember from my days as on my team, I interacted with other teams most when we went to competitions and got to meet with them. Every competition makes sure that there's like a social element to them. We have like mixers and we play games okay. and there's always the after party. And so like, you know, this, that's those are the best opportunities that teams get to interact with other teams across the country. Unfortunately, because uh, we are still, again, a young circuit, right, so to right. speak, the teams are quite scattered. Um, okay. You know, even in, in the Pacific Northwest, honestly, Honestly, besides the team that I was on at University of Washington, Seattle, I don't know of any other South Asian acapella teams at all. You know, Texas, luckily, I think there's a, quite a lot more. There's so there's like more five, kind of interaction yeah. there. A bit more. Yeah, five, you know, that's which is more than one. But so competition is that is, I think, the first place where that interaction happens. And while obviously there's a bit of an edge, like, oh, we're here to compete with you and, you know, be better. The moment the competition is over, I think one of the great things I love about the South Asian acapella community is that it's a very 
positive and friendly culture. So like there's never uh, or like you know there's never really this bitterness or this you know enmity that that comes out of it. You know there's there are I'm sure there are rivals that you're like oh we always get bested <laughs> by them, but it's a very positive and you know, collaborative force. Yeah. So I think that that's uh, yeah. So competition I think is one element that is that's great in terms of collaboration. As you mentioned, I think that especially with the online kind of resources that we have, you know, especially now in these quarantine days, I think um, the connections that are made are being taken advantage of. You know, like there's a lot of activity happening on like the Facebook groups that we have and social forums. But primarily, I think I would say that uh, the competition is like the, the main source of the inter- interaction there. And I think that is one area that we are also striving to improve on and try to, you know, encourage. I think uh, maybe Natasha, you can talk about a recent outreach effort we did with, with Salvin and how that kind of brought the community out if you'd like to... Yeah, so um, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of GeoSavin, but they're, I would say, like the Indian equivalent of, they're they're an Indian streaming service, Okay, I think is the best way to put it. So recently, we, you know, we reached out to them, they reached out to us, and we focused on working for a cover contest for... Oh, cool anyone 18 plus in the United States of America. And it was very interesting because, you know, here we are utilizing the social aspect of our communication. And we have all of these different people who some weren't even on any collegiate teams. And they've recorded a cover that an artist that was a part of GeoSalvin. And, you know, they just submitted it. They put it onto our network of Desi Acapella. We held a fan favorite contest also for these entries. And, you know, all in all, I think there was a very positive outcome from that. There were people, you know, interacting with these videos. You know, you had singers who didn't even know who this person was. They were like, oh my God, great job. Such an amazing video. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, it was so sweet. And, you know, I think this is just the beginning of what we can do. And, you know, this is how I think collaboration can also come into play where, you know, with uh, platforms such as TikTok, when you can do duets and you can do all of those things. So I think also as, you know, technology moves forward, so is the collaboration effort. And just to actually speak more on the collaboration end of it, I mean, after going to these competitions, you you know, kind of make these connections with different acapella teams. And so I saw towards my junior, senior year that when there weren't any competitions going on, there were had showcases or you would have your spring show or your annual show. And I was starting to notice that a lot of these teams were starting to invite other teams to their shows, whether it be spring show, annual show, a showcase. And I thought that was amazing. And it made me really happy to see that, you know, those connections that were made during competitions, you know, continued just outside of that environment and they were building on it they were having fun together they were singing together and i want to add that beyond just within the circuit i think the collaboration extends even like professionally or with alumni that come out of our circuit we've had you know a bunch of alumni meetups where people who are in the same city now who may have been on south asian groups in different cities in the past can you know come together and talk about their experiences and their current lives and you know all of a sudden you have a whole new group of friends in a new city and it just makes for great conversation great connections great networking people i've seen that record and post covers of themselves find other singers who used to be on other groups and now they're collaborating and making covers together then stuff like that just really makes me you know happy to kind of see the the interaction and collaboration yeah i I will say from what i've been able to uh glean from online the support system for the south asian community is very strong there have been a lot of times when i'll go online and i'll 
and I'm speaking mainly just from what I've seen from acapella groups, South Asian acapella groups, they'll post their covers that they've done or their projects they're working on. And you will see this massive influx of, you know, people showing their support, you know, tagging. And it's just not limited to acapella groups. It's people outside the community as well. So I think that's something that's really strong and that you guys are pushing really well. It's really impressive. And I can see that there's a lot of passion involved. Yeah, I think to touch on that as well, especially with the, with the collegiate circuits, um, I think it's pretty ex- excellent that we've kind of sit at the crossroads of as a South Asian acapella circuit, we have connections with the musical side of things. So other acapella teams that are at universities or, you know, instru- like choirs and orchestras, like there's a lot of friends and connections there. And we're also at the intersection of other South Asian performing arts teams. So as Arjun mentioned, you know, a lot of the dance teams that are like of various South Asian dance forms like Bollywood and classical, they're also very tightly with us because we are also a South Asian performing arts circuit, right? So because of that, we kind of benefit from having connections in both arenas. And as you as you mentioned, that also kind of results in more outreach, kind of different people. Someone might notice, oh, that was a really cool musical musical note that you just played there. Some, it was a really cool chord progression. Whereas someone else might notice, oh, that's a really great song choice you made from that one movie that I loved because of their cultural <laughs> background, you know? So right. like there's a lot to a lot to appreciate in this kind of genre because you have you can connect with them in many different ways, which is I think maybe what Brian you notice online when these teams do make their posts. Yeah. So. I, I have no life really. I, all I do is just live, breathe, and sleep acapella. So I love if there's it. something going on, it. I'm going to find out about it. He's, that is a great life. That's a great life. <laughs> I wish yeah. I was. Um, yeah. So I think one thing that you know I've I've, I've experienced, and this maybe goes as as hand in hand with our early conversation about the genre specifically. I think you know this this whole idea of South Asian acapella is born out of the experiences of people like us who are like maybe first generation or second generation immigrants who have come from South Asian families. Every day, like we also face a cultural clash of our own outside of music, right? Like at home, I have, you know, my my family has certain ways of doing things and, you know, the, the food we eat, the, the traditions we follow, the, ce- the festivals we celebrate, right? That's a big part of who I am. But at the same time, outside my house, I live in the US. And so I have, you know, experiences and exposure to, you know, Western holidays and, you know, like so many different cultures and experiences that I get from going to school and working every day in the US, right? So I think that for me, at least, I found that South Asian acapella represents like a musical parallel to my daily experience, right? Sometimes I'm very connected with my culture and I'm like ex- excited about certain aspects of that. On the other hand, I'm also excited about where I'm living now and being a member of Western society, right? So those two forces that, you know, we also deal with on a day-to-day basis in our own lives, I think they come through pretty excitingly in musical format as part of South Asian acapella. There's like a lot of really cool emotional parallels we can make from songs that speak to certain elements of our own psyche and kind of our experiences. There's, you know, obviously musical connections, there's experiential connections. I think that's personally what excited me so much about this art form is that I found that I love music and it was like the perfect combination of my musical experience and my like day-to-day life. Yeah. So, that's kind, of, that's kind of what I think is unique about the genre as well. I think that pretty much everyone who's in the circuit can, you know, relate to that because I feel the same way. And, I, and that makes for a common thread that we can all go back to at, at its core and, and talk about our experiences and understand what the other person's going through or, you know, celebrating the other person's life or accomplishments or whatever, you know, which I think makes for... Mm-hmm really great networking and friendships. One last comment on top of that, I guess, is basically, you know, the three of us, because we come from South Asian backgrounds, have that experience and that's what kind of draws us into this 
a genre, but by no means does that mean that, you know, this genre is limited to people of South Asian descent, right? I think what is so exciting about it is people with non-South Asian background actually get exposure and excited by the South Asian music when they come into it. You know, if you, if you talk to someone who has never even touched or heard of South Asian music until they joined a team at their university, it's a whole musical exposure and, you know, like renaissance that you discover. And like you can find you know, having a Western background or even like, you know, background in music that has European styles or Middle Eastern styles or, you know, outside of the Western canon, you find connections that you, you might not have found before. And I know a lot of people who are not from South Asian backgrounds who fell in love with this music because of their South Asian acapella groups, you know, and which is why you'll see a lot of, you know, diversity and you know, really exciting collaboration. And then that also lends to more creative music, right? Because the more background, the more diversity you have, the better those compositions are going to be. So I think while it might have born out of South Asian, yeah, South Asian experience, it by no means is limited to that, especially in today's day and age. And I think that's a very good point to make because I've seen at least a few groups where it's very inclusive. It's not your traditional perception of what you think a member of a South Asian acapella group would be. So I love that you pointed out that it's very inclusive and that it really welcomes everyone, which just lends itself even more to how awesome, you know, the culture and the identity and this particular style is. It's just really amazing. And with that, we do need to take another commercial break. But to our listeners, don't go away because we will be right back here on Acaville Radio with more Tacapella. Each year as we travel the world here at Acaville to bring you coverage of festivals and events, we have a chance to sit down with some amazing groups and artists. Starting on our new show, The Pulse, you'll get to sit down with them too, alongside host Rachel as she brings you some of the best of our interviews from the different festivals and workshops that she's attended. Check out The Pulse every Tuesday at 9 p.m. East, 6 p.m. West, and then again on rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m. East, 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. West. Thanks for joining us back here on Talk Appella. Man, I really love these episodes where we just get to sit back and just learn so much from our guests. And this has been one of those episodes, really. I'm like, we could speak about South Asian acapella music for days, really. If, if it was up to me, we definitely would be. But we have people to report to. So on that note, we are going to do one of my more favorite segments here, which is our rapid fire round of questions for our guests. And so on this point, this is where our guests can really just be open and as honest as they want to be with these very random questions here so let's do this alicia you want to start and no one will judge (laughs) except for me sarang arjun and natasha are you ready yes Yes, we are favorite artist coldplay oh lincoln park i'm gonna go with alina baraz okay i'm gonna check them out okay awesome question two favorite non-music related activity cooking uh graphic designing (laughs) video games what is one thing you cannot do Video games. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Our other two guests? Uh, So much. I mean... uh... (laughs) So we didn't didn't mean to put you on the spot here. Just one. I can't drive stick. Oh, okay. That's fair. I can't either. But Brian, we did mean to put them on the spot. (laughs) I guess we did. Actually, yeah, we did. Yes, we did. Sorry. I'm a terrible dancer. (laughs) What? I refuse to believe this. It's okay. I can't either. All right, fine, if you say so. All right, question four. The one place that you most want to travel to? Patagonia. South America. Southeast Asia. See, I feel like he also wants to say something here. <laughs> I've been to Southeast Asia, and it's pretty cool. Nice, I love it, I love it. I mean, I, w- I was 13. <laughs> Still counts. You know. Okay, tell us a common misconception about South Asian music. 
that it only contains South Asian words. A lot of South Asian music actually has a lot of English. Yeah, quite a lot. It's sometimes hilarious, sometimes very deep, sometimes just oh, really? it fits perfectly. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot of music that you can actually understand that's not from South Asian, doesn't have South Asian language in it. Wow, I did not know that. That's interesting. That it's only one type of South Asian language. So most people think it's just Hindi, but there's also uh, Tamil, Telugu. Gujarati, Punjabi, Malayali. The, the, lots of languages. Yeah, lots of languages even within. Yeah. Marathi. Yeah, just even within. Uh, wow, man, we are learning so much. Nice. Here. I would say That's that awesome. there's only one encompassing genre. I think we mentioned this before, but there's tons of genres within South Asian music and you can just go on and on and on about them. Awesome. I like it. What are your favorite lyrics of all time? What song has your favorite lyrics of all time? Or what are your favorite lyrics? Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy from Bohemian Rhapsody? All right. Oh, yeah. good one. Yes, that's a good okay, one. The only thing that's coming to my head right now is I got 99 problems with <laughs> <laughs> one. There it is. Wow. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> really, so Natasha? Oh, it's the wow. only thing that's, Incredible. I feel like it's the only thing that's coming to my head. Incredible. Hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah, no judgment. <laughs> Not at all. you guys said no judgment zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said you did. You're right. You're right. Well, well, I said I would judge, but I, I'm not judging that. I was gonna say some. Uh, there's some lyrics from Shadish Gambino's song that are a little expletive, so I, I, I know I won't specify which ones, but okay. yeah, skip over that. Uh uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll jump over that because this is a family-friendly show. All right. This is the most important question of Rapid Fire. Cats or dogs? Cats. Dogs. Yes! Ooh, okay. And on that note, we say bye-bye to Arjun. Okay. I yes, have please. three, so... Oh, wow. Most of my Instagram posts are no, of my cats. You know, Alicia, what is tragic, actually? I mean, I love dogs for sure, but actually, I do like cats, too, but I have an, an allergy to cat hair. Oh, oh no! Even, even if I pet a cat, Same. like I, yeah. my face goes all red, and it's terrible. I, I, I love cats. I think yeah. I think they're great. Funny but thing, the, cats don't love me. You know, that's, that's <laughs> funny a, thing about a, cat allergies. Problem. You're allergic. So is my husband. Oh, oh wow! Mm. <laughs> oh, he man. found out man, after man. we got all three cats. So. Oh dear! And I asked him when he wanted that's to get tough. rid of them, and he said when they die. And I was like, okay, good answer. <laughs> oh, that's 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 wow. very, that's very sweet of him. That's the only yeah, answer. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Next question. What's your go-to YouTube channel or video that helps you pass the time? I listen to the um, Tiny Desk from NPR. Nice, yeah. Her name is, I can't pronounce her name, but it's Liana Havis. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just, that is the most soothing, the most relaxing thing that I great can listen voice. to on repeat, though. I like it. It's great. My answer might be a bit nerdier. It's this channel called uh, Achievement Hunter. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Ooh. It's it's basically no. a, it's a video game channel. They okay. basically do like video game reviews and playthroughs, and it's basically a bunch of guys just fooling around and having fun playing video games. So that sucks up the time very quickly. So yeah, gu- guilty pr- guilty <laughs> yeah. pleasure for sure. And I'm glad I'm admitting to it on radio. So there you go. There it is. We have it on it's record. On record yep. now. There it is. <laughs> All right. I usually go down the rabbit hole of uh, listening to a lot of indie Indian music. Okay, okay. Yeah, artists like The Local Train and Ritzviz and stuff, a lot of different artists. I need to culture myself. There's so much out there. It's it's it's, there it's is. crazy. There really yeah. is. All right. Um, what is your all-time favorite mashup? If, if you have one. I'm going to have to go OG. This actually was my introduction to South Asian acapella. It's Pen Masala's Viva La Vida and Jashn E. Bahara from the movie Jodakbar. Dude, you're kidding me? Because I was going to say the same exact thing because that was also my introduction. 
That's how I learned. That was that's the, the first song I learned or listened to in South Asian acapella. So fans, listeners, not to copycat, but same. <laughs> All through the same answer. Well, yeah. there you go. Like actually, that's, that's the, the one. one. Wow. Yeah, that was her claim to fame, and that oh god, I was like, that's this is so yeah. cool. I love it. So yeah, that's same. mine. Great. All right, I approve. All right, two questions left. Favorite aspect of South Asian culture, whether it be the food, the entertainment, everyday living, what's your favorite part? Not to make it this a generic girl answer, but I really do have to say the clothes. <laughs> I love the clothes. There's nothing, so there's nothing wrong right. with that. That is, I love it. I can appreciate that because I'm not fashionally coordinated not. at all. She's <laughs> really not. <laughs> And uh, not to say like the most obvious answer, but I would say the arts, you know, everything we've been talking about and oh, everything yeah. that's so important to all of our lives. For me, is it the sports culture? For example, like cricket is a pretty big uh, game oh, okay. uh, in South Asian culture. And one of us, some of those vivid memories from my stay in India or like watching the like the World Cup with my family. So yeah, that that's a... In cricket or... Yeah, the Cricket World Cup. There was one, I think, one year that India was in the finals. Nice. And like, I, the image of us winning is like imprinted in my head forever. So <laughs> I, I love that about South Asian culture. It's very, very ingrained. That's awesome. in our... One thing you must have with you when you travel. Portable charger. Need it. Yep. I think my phone. Chapstick. That's what yeah. I was going to say. I'm going <laughs> to say my phone. Chapstick. But chapstick is a really good I've answer. I've heard chapstick. someone else say chapstick before. That's apparently that is a, yeah. very important. That's a great reminder, I actually. I need it. <laughs> No, the best the best chapstick is Burt's Bees. It is really good. Oh, I I like the Vaseline yes! cocoa shake. That's that my favorite one. I told yep. my husband to go buy me some when they used to sell it in like the little. I have the mini I, one. He couldn't yeah. find it, and so it's like a squeeze one. It's just oh, not. It's not the same. I unfortunately live and die with my branded chapstick, <laughs> basic cherry flavor. <laughs> I'd love to say, what is the name of that basic one? That's just chapstick. Yeah, <laughs> chapstick skin back there. That's the one. Yeah. I thought it was just called chapstick. Yeah, that's the brand. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. it? <laughs> I just realized we're not done yet. I thought we were just chatting. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. As per Tacapella tradition, we would like our guests to offer some advice to our listeners. So Sarang, Arjun, and Natasha, what advice would you give to those who are listening to Tacapella now? And it can be related to acapella, but it doesn't have to be. It can be advice about anything. I think I would say don't be afraid to put yourself out there. That's one of the biggest things in relation to, you know, whether it's trying out for an acapella team, which you should definitely do, or interviewing for a position or anything, just you know, give it your all, put yourself out there and do things that you normally didn't think you would be able to do. I think mine is specific to music, I guess, but like never stop exploring. I think I think we obviously have our favorite genres and we love listening to music, but I think that, you know, for any, every musician's journey, you should always strive to learn and pick up as many different kinds of music as possible, new artists, new genres, new languages. So that's that would be my advice is always keep striving to, you know, expand your musical repertoire. And I think mine is more specific to like acapella groups and arranging and creating music. I've always said that, you know, there's always more that you can do with music. There's always, you know, something more that you can add, another layer you can put in. So my advice would be to just challenge your creativity as much as possible and put in a new element in every piece that you're working on and keep doing that till, you know, it's it's so unique and so you that, you know, anyone can recognize it right off the bat. Wow. Wise words from our guests. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So if our listeners wanted to learn more about the ASA or learn more about you all individually or learn more about the projects that uh, you all are tied to, where could they go to find out more information? Our handles are pretty much at Desi Acapella. You can spell that out. It's D-E-S-I-A-C-A-P-P-E. 
L L A. Two P S two L. Two L. Always. Always. So that's Instagram and you know Facebook slash Daisy Facebook dot com slash Daisy Acapella. You know we have some videos up on YouTube as well. That's also slash Daisy Acapella, I believe. Or you can also check out our website. Which is desiacapella.org. The operative word is desiacapella. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thank you all. Uh, Alicia, if people wanted to learn more about you, see what you got going on in your life, where could they go to find you? If our listeners are looking for me, they can find me on Instagram. My Instagram name, which I have recently changed, is now the letter E as an echo. So E underscore squared 1989. And you can also find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Alicia Edwards 19. That is E L I C. IA, you know how to spell Edwards 19. Perfect. Thank you. And as always, you can go follow me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I. And then, of course, go follow all the work that I do at College Acapella on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And on that note, Talkapella also has a Twitter account. So you can go follow us at Talkapella 2Ps, 2Ls. And if you've missed any of past episodes, go to talkapella.org. And as always, go follow all the work that is done through Acaville Radio 24 hours streaming of Acapella music pretty much at your leisure. So, Go follow them. On that note, thank you so much to our guests today, Arjun, Sarang, and Natasha. You have been wonderful. We have learned so much. We can't thank you enough for coming on and just enlightening us with South Asian acapella music. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us on, Brian really Thank you. Yeah, I can't tell you how much of an honor it is. This is uh, super exciting, and I think we had a great time and really appreciate all the work you guys do for the community. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, thank you guys. You're always welcome to come back because we have so much more to talk about <laughs> one of these Oh, years, yes. So. We'll be back. that's wonderful all right well that's going to do it for us today on talk appella thank you all for tuning in for everything else stay tuned